Hey, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's your man, your boy, B. Vaughn, and we are back with another interview episode of We Create Music TV. I'm glad y'all here because we got my guy, my man, hip hop MC. Notice I used the phrase MC and music producer, Rec Riddles. Man. Yes, sir. My guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's good, brother. How you been? Man, everything is good, man. I can't complain. You know, like life is throwing everybody curves ball, you know, but we, mm -hmm. we gotta learn to swing at those when you at the plate. So yeah, hey, everything's good, that, right? man. Can't complain. Can't complain. That's what's you know, up, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So man. So man, for those who don't know you, brother, man, just walk us through your musical journey. How'd you get started? Uh, and you know, kind of where'd you end up? So just walk us through that whole that whole thing. Wow, that's a long story, but I try to keep it short. Um, so I, I started rapping at the age of seven. Um, was really big and you know influenced by the classic golden era. You know, I'm 31 years old, so the the time period that I started listening to hip hop is you know that mid to late 90s time frame. So uh, yeah, started rapping at the age of seven. Wrote my first rhyme at seven. Um, my older brother kept, you know, all the dopest and latest and greatest uh, uh, hip hop in the house. So I was able to, you know, get my hands on the Nas's, the Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, Outkast, you know, the list goes on and on. So uh, from there, you know, I, I just uh, I just fell in love with the music, fell in love with creating hip hop and and the the ability to to share my art, my gift, you know, with people. So, you know, from from the age of seven up until about the age of uh I want to say about 10 or 11, you know, when I got my first recording equipment, you know, the first mm -hmm. <laughs> cassette deck, you know, things of that nature. Um, I just started recording myself, you know, and my I was fortunate enough to, to get a keyboard for Christmas. My father got me a drum machine for I think it was like my birthday or, or it was Christmas as well. And I just started making beats, you know, straight to tape. And mm. um, that just was that was my foundation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from from that age up into, uh, I want to say about uh, 18, 19, I was just honing my craft, you know, just kept working at it, kept getting better, kept trying to perfect it and, and you know, be one of the best just within my town and my city. So um, professionally, I really took my leap once I moved to St. Louis from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was in a group with my brother and we were making a lot of music. We were putting out, um, you know, we put out about two mixtapes dedicated to Michael Jackson, you know, so all the music I sampled on that mixtape and I did all the beats was based from, you know, Michael Jackson's catalog, you know, from the Jackson 5 all the way up into, you know, his, his most recent solo album. But, you know, once I got to St. Louis, um, you know, I, I decided to, to really take my stab at it. I was able to connect with, uh, you know, a lot of good people and promoters in the in the underground scene in St. Louis. And from there, it's just kind of been on, you know, I've been able to, to tour all over the country. Um, you know, I've been signed to a record label. Um, you know, I, I opened up for, for many hip hop greats and giants, you know, mm -hmm. throughout my tenure. So, um, yeah, that's how I'm here now, man. You know, just just keep working at it. And, and from that tender age of seven all the way up into to the age of 31, it's just been consistent grind, output, and heart, you know, blood, sweat, and tears put into the music. Hmm. You know, so so what made you, okay, so what made you choose St. Louis from New Jersey to St. Louis? What made you choose that city over some of the <laughs> other cities? 
I get that question a lot. You know? <laughs> a lot of people are like, you know, you're in New Jersey. I'm right, you're right next to New York, you know, one of the mm-hmm. media capitals of the world. Why would you go to the Midwest? Well, I actually ended up in St. Louis by default. You know, mm. um, my wife and I, well, she was just my fiance at the time, but she got an incredible job offer, you know, one that we couldn't refuse, and uh, we jumped at it. So mm-hmm. that's how I ended up in the Midwest from, from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people like... want to hear that, you know, oh, you came to the Midwest for something dealing with music, but that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, you know, the wife got a great job, so hey, exactly. we just happened to end up <laughs> exactly. in St. Louis. Like, all right. right. And St. Louis has right. a pretty St. Louis has a pretty okay, uh, you know, I don't you know. I mean, for those who are not watching, you know, we know each other, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, right, right. those people who know, you know, I lived in St. Louis for the past, you know, 10 years before I moved to Atlanta in 2018. So from, from 2008 to 2018, I mean, I was a, you know, a St. Louis, you know, resident. And uh, right. that's how, you know, that's how we met. Uh, and I think exactly. you and I met at an actual iStandard, uh, iStandard beat battle. Yes, you know sir. Like, yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's how we, that's how we met. But, uh, you know, St. Louis has a pretty okay music scene. Um, I don't want to talk yeah. too much about... I know I, I do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. We're we, we going to talk about it because you're still in St. Louis. Yes, uh, sir. So, you know, so kind of talk a little bit about about that. You know, you were in New Jersey, close to New York. You know, you got Redman. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's straight in New Jersey, which is Jersey. still one of my favorite rappers today. And yes, so you find yourself in St. Louis. And so now you you... you you're an MC, and so now you need to, you know, get out there and do what you need to do. You know, so kind of talk about how that played itself out for you, being in that market and in that music scene in the Midwest. And actually, it, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be, because I have a more traditional East Coast uh, uh, sound, and, you know, that's not necessarily the sound of St. Louis, or so I thought. You know, I'm a pure lyricist to the core of me. And, um, you know, what I was exposed to as far as what St. Louis had to offer in the hip hop genre was not necessarily the style of music that I present and that I embody. So, um, you know, once I got on the scene and saw that, you know, there was a bunch of lyricists on the scene that made it a lot easier. But, um, you know, what really sparked and and jump started my um, my journey in the St. Louis uh, uh, scene was, you know, I, I just did research, you know, I was mm. able to go on Google, type in St. Louis underground hip hop, and, you know, just try to click on every link that turned up. Once I found one that was, you know, uh, that kind of fit what I wanted to do. And that just so happened to be the uh, Slump Fest team. Slump, hey. Slump Fest, hey. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I know, you know, but hey. Right, right. You know, for those that don't know, Slump Fest stands for St. Louis Underground Music Festival. And, uh, you know, it's a great collection and group of guys and girls that just really, you know, help cultivate the underground hip hop mm-hmm. scene in St. Louis. So, you know, once I, I, you know, I went on the Instagram and, and you know, saw a bunch of uh, the things that they were doing, the events and, you know, the actual Slump Fest Festival that takes place every summer. You know, I just reached out on, on Instagram, saw that, you know, Slump Fest was coming up. Um, I hit them up and they told me that they had a, a showcase that was going to be geared towards a, I guess you could say audition or tryout 
for mm-hmm. four slots on the 2015 Slumfest show. So, you know, I sent them some music in an email and, and, you know, within a few, I want to say a few hours, actually, I got a reply back from my man, Rabu, who was, you know, still mm-hmm. a great, you know, close friend of mine to this day. And they put me on the show. You know, I performed with about, I want to say 20 to 25 other guys. And I just so happened to, to you know, win that slot. And the very next day, they had a um, a beat battle for the producers, you know, and I I jumped right on that too, right. being that I am an MC and a producer, and you know that was another experience that gave me more exposure in the in mm-hmm. the St. Louis you know underground scene. But yeah, no, it's been you know from that those humble beginnings, just reaching out to people, you know, um, using social media as a tool to network, using Google. Um, I was able to transition into just, you know, keep putting the, the work forward, you know, I, you know, late, <laughs> shortly thereafter, people would hit me up for shows, you know, as, as opposed to me hitting them up for shows. So the, the transition from going to New Jersey to St. Louis and, you know, still pursuing my music career actually made it, made me better as an MC and as a performer because uh, the biggest difference between the Midwest and I could say East Coast and you know the New Jersey, New York area in particular is that you have to hustle. If you don't hustle, if you're not out there active, trying to get your music heard, trying to grow your fan base, you know, printing up and, and CDs and you know got merch, you know, you're gonna get left in the you know in the back. You're gonna be the one that you know I should have coulda instead of being the guy waving the flag. So. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing I learned from the Midwest, you know, being out here. And that's the biggest takeaway I got from being in the St. Louis area. It made me a better performer. It made me more uh, aware of my business and having that, you know, in the proper context. So, you know, going from St. Louis to Jersey was, you know, it's been a blessing, man, honestly. You know, um, I feel like, and this is, you know, kind of common knowledge or, you know, a common aesthetic is that the people that live in the New Jersey, New York area take the opportunities that are there for granted and mm. don't really utilize, you know, all of the things that are at their fingertips as opposed to the people that are in the Midwest that really, you know, got the hunger. Mm-hmm. They'll start the independent labels and they'll book their own shows or throw their own shows. So it's it's been great for me because I'm that kind of guy. I'm an attacker. I want to go ahead and, 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 you know, take on the world. So for that being the mentality, you know, it was just, it was a perfect fit for me coming in from New Jersey. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. I mean, I guess you probably wouldn't even, you probably wouldn't consider it that way or even look at it that way. I mean, you think in New Jersey, everybody's on their grind, everybody's hustling, you know, New Jersey, right. New York. And then when you come to a place like, because when you think of New Jersey, New York, you're like, that's music. That's, that's a heavy right. music scene, right? LA, heavy music scene, Chicago, Atlanta. Right. This is the main Mecca areas of New Jersey, St. Louis, like mm, St. Louis, St. Louis. Now, now don't get it twisted, people. St. Louis does have its (laughs) reputable, reputable artists. You know what I'm saying? Like they got some people in St. Louis that have come from St. Louis that are huge. You know, Chuck Berry, you know, I'm saying I didn't say you can say it's Chuck Berry. Right. Right. (laughs) But I have noticed I have noticed uh, a, a trend with those in the Midwest versus those who live in music cities is that, or, or any other areas outside of a music city is that you have, you got to work a lot harder to kind of get to where you, where you want to go because you don't have the music industry where you are. 
right? There's not right. a there's not a music industry, a main record label or a main music uh, industry, you know, like ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, or any other major record labels in St. Louis. Right. I mean, right. we got them in Atlanta, we got them in LA, and New York, Chicago, but right. not in St. Louis. So you right. gotta work, you gotta hustle. You know, I, I wanted to do my my Angela gym, right? We talked about <laughs> that on the last show. Is I didn't have a, a gym when people drop gems, but I got this little gym sound, right? Based right. upon my conversation last week, uh, yeah, last week with Angela Benson, CEO of Vita Records. So I got this gym, right? So anytime y'all yes, some gems happen. Like he, he actually dropped, he actually dropped the gym, and I was like, man, should I play this gym while he talking? Like, <laughs> like I don't know, but you gotta hustle, man. You gotta hustle. You gotta work your ass off to even to make it. And I guess you gotta define what making it is for you. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, brother, you're right. You gotta work. You gotta hustle. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then for you, yeah, definitely. yeah, and then for you getting involved with, with Slum Fest, man. That's that's. That's awesome. Yes. Right. So, so I noticed you use the word lyricist. You said when mm -hmm. I got to St. Louis and I started looking people up and I realized there was real lyricists there versus rappers or whatever, right? Any other terminology you want to use. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know you, I know you are an MC. I've seen you perform several times. I know how you get down with with the lyrics, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. so, so, so I do want to get your opinion on that. I mean, for, for you, what, what is the difference between, or, or is there a difference between someone who's a lyricist and MC or someone who's a, a rapper, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's a tremendous difference in my opinion. Um, you know, I'll start with the, the term MC, you know, the term MC, you know, if you're historically, uh, um, putting it, it's the master of ceremonies. So an MC was the guy in the hip hop context was the guy that amped up the DJ, got the crowd hype and uh, rocked the party. So with that transition from the main focus in hip hop being the MC as opposed to the DJ and you know, you start getting rap records, these guys had to create words and tell stories and, you know, and still rhyme within that three minutes and 30 minute, you know, uh, uh, format, you know, 16 bars, eight bar hook. And that's the, the core of the MC is what's your, your rhymes, your subject matter, how intricate your, your, your rhyme patterns are, um, what you stand for, you know, because I feel like an MC is going to bear his soul on a mic. An MC is going to tell you how he views the world. He's going to tell you what affects him on a day to day. He's going to tell you about his life. Mm -hmm. And, um, but still be clever and be witty, you know, punchlines, metaphors, um, the wordplay, how you rhyme your words, how you may uh, use a certain cadence. That's an MC, that's a, that's a lyricist when you're being true to the art form. Because in my opinion, there's no difference between a lyricist that raps on the music. Well, this is the difference. A lyricist and an MC is somebody that puts poetry to music. That's the only difference between a spoken word artist and an MC. Mm. A rapper, in my opinion, is someone that's just looking to sell records. You are a product of the music industry. You are put in this position just to make money. It's not coming from your heart. It's not coming from, you know, who you really are. You're not bearing your soul on a record. It's the most watered down version of hip hop, in my opinion. Mm. Um, 
And I, for me, the hip hop that I grew up listening to and fell in love with was the guys that, you know, put messages into the music, all those things that I just uh, put into detail about, you know, what a lyricist is. That's what I grew up listening to. And that's what I fell in love with. You know, especially, you know, you, uh, you know, late 80s, you had guys like KRS-One who could destroy mm-hmm. you in a battle, but he also had something to say socially. You know, you had guys like Rakim who brought, you know, to in further forefront the nation of gods and earth ideology, but still was a lyrical assassin. Big Daddy Kane, you know, the ladies love him, but you put Big Daddy Kane on a beat, he's going to destroy that beat. Those kind of guys you had, and everybody you know, wait, was wait, being hold on, themselves. Wait, 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 hold, hold on. We're gonna we go, we go back for a second, and I, I want you to keep on that. Everybody was being themselves, but I think people slept on Big Daddy Kane, like <laughs> on the for, for real, because Big Daddy Kane, right. boy, he remember the, the beef he had with him and LL. Oh my gosh, LL. like yeah. yes, that beef between him and LL, boy, he, I don't know, who, I know who, in my opinion, who won that that battle. I'm saying Big Daddy Kane, but I, I'm Kane fan. I'm a Kane. Kane I love Al, but Kane is like, the man. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. I I think, you know, in 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 the generation I grew up in, because that's some Big Daddy Kane, LL, Rockem, KRS One, right. you know, BDP, Chuck D, and Public Enemy, and all those people were right. NWA were doing their thing. But right. I will say, you know, based upon what you just said, that list, Big Daddy Kane probably is one of the most slept on. Battle Definitely. rappers in history. history. Yeah, 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 yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and that's continue, the thing brother. about it. You, 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 like you named Chuck D. You know, he Chuck D. Brought the, you know, he was bringing awareness, you know, and a black social consciousness to the music, you know, that was um, prominent, you know. And the thing about it was, is that there was Chuck D's voice is the one of the most incredible voices in hip hop. When you hear him, you know, come across on a record. You know that's Chuck D. It's impactful. It's powerful. These are the guys that I feel like laid the foundation for guys like me to, you know, keep that tradition going and, and keep waving that flag for, you know, the true school hip hop. Now, I, at the same time, I understand that there's a place for, you know, the term or the the idea of the rapper um, because sometimes you just want to have fun. Sometimes you just want to. It, it sometimes ignorance is entertaining. But as far as for me and how I want to uh, uh, impact the world in the in the music world in particular, um, I want to bring, I want to put myself in the music. I want people to listen to my music. I want them to say, mm-hmm. I know who Rec Riddles is. You know, I can listen to one of his records and I can know how he views the world, what's going on in his life, and how he feels about what's going on in his life. So. I mean, lyricists and, and rappers, they both have their place, but, you know, I lean more towards the lyricism, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so how do you feel about today's, you know, hip-hop scene, you know, as far as having lyricists and rappers? I mean, do you feel that today's music scene tends to sway more to one or the other, or do you feel that we, we kind of have that, that mix uh, that we got people who are real lyricists out here, still dropping game, right. but we got people who are rappers and kind of, you know, really just out here to make money. I think there's a, it's a nice blend right now, honestly. Um, you know, with the internet being, you know, the the thing that it is, um, there's no reason for anybody to kind of get lost in the shuffle. I mean, even though, you know, still to this day, 
the major labels and the corporations are going to win that war as far as exposure. But there's a nice blend of people that are, you know, sticking to the true school and, and are concerned with lyricism and want to be you know, known as a lyricist. But then, you know, you also have your your uh, your side of rappers. I mean, and it's easy to find both nowadays, you know, with the Internet, you know, so. I feel like it's an even playing field. And I feel like, you know, at, at this day and age in 2021, there's a place for both. You know, there's no reason why um, we should have these debates that we used to have as kids, you know, which, mm. better, which mm. is better, you know. So, I mean, when you got people like, you know, Kendrick Lamar out there, you know, J. Cole, but then you also have, you know, Little Yachty's and, and you know, so forth and so on as far as, you know, the, the rappers go. I mean, Spotify, you can find them both on Spotify. You know, you can find them both on Apple Music. So th there's a nice blend, you know. I, mm -hmm. It's with, you know, especially with the technology that we have now, it's easy to find both sides and both sides can equally, you know, share the same space. Mm. Yeah, I believe, I believe that too. I mean, because I mean, even back in the day, we kind of have, I, I think we had more lyricists back in the day than we did rappers. Definitely. 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 I think we, because, because I, I think it was a different atmosphere between them. I think it was mm. a different time where you had to be somebody who was able to drop lyrics, who was able to tell a story, who was able to use your similes and metaphors and all these different wordplay strategies differently. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like when you think about lyricists, oh yeah, you, they, they, you had to do that. And Definitely. It's so weird. It's so weird that I think more when I when I think of the term lyricist, I think more people from <laughs> I think more people from New York and like New Jersey. Right, right. You know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? Like you like lyric. Oh yeah, that's a that's an MC. Oh, that's a that's somebody right. from New York, New Jersey. Right. I don't necessarily you know equate that to. Sorry for people watching y'all from these areas, but when I think of like even living here in Atlanta, I was like, yeah, I don't think of them as lyricists. I think of them as rappers. Now, don't get right. it twisted. Three stacks to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He's to, to exactly. me, he is a lyricist, right? Even though mm -hmm. people kind of categorize him as a rapper, but that boy would. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just feel that that I'll be honest. I miss that era. I miss that era yeah. when it was more lyricists than than rappers. People you could turn on the album and I could listen to paid in full and I could get a clear message from Rakim, you know what I'm saying? Like right. I knew what he was talking about on Microphone Fiend. Like you just, just know, like right. lyricists. Right. I kind of miss right. that <laughs> because, I, because I think nowadays I hear, if I want to hear real lyricism, I just, I just go to my, my phone and play a, you know, my hip hop playlist. Right. <laughs> that's, that's where I hear right. it. And I hear my Kendrick, right. my J. Coles. I hear old school hip hop on there. Yeah, I, I just don't hear it as prevalent today as it used to be. And I kind of miss right. that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm not a rapper. Trust me, I'm not a rapper. I am an R&B guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an R&B right. head. But I do miss, I do miss that, uh, that lyricism, true, I don't know if I want to call it true hip-hop. Right. But, yeah, I do miss that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Man, so, so talk about, for you... Just some of your biggest challenges, man, that you faced in your career so far, and what did you learn from some of those? Hmm. The biggest challenge I would have to say is um, 
and this, you know, some people might think this is uh, kind of funny, but the biggest challenge for me was finding my niche audience and how to market to them. You know, in today's, you know, demographic, well, not today's climate, I'll say, it's hard to find because, you know, the world is so big. You got a hundred million rappers out there. The internet is flooded with music. It can be tricky to find your niche demographic, the people that, you know, the gender, you know, the, the age group, you know, from between, you know, 18 to 35 or, you know, 14 to 21. It's, it was hard for me to find that group of people. But once I was able to find out, you know, through, you know, statistics and, you know, all the things that come with having a digital distribution, once I found out, you know, where these people were, their age groups and, and things of that nature, that helped my touring. Mm. But then I, I, what that helped me learn because in today's climate, you really just, you know, as far as being an independent artist, artist and being, you know, be honest with you, DIY, so where, you know, I'm doing a lot of things myself, it was, uh, it was a hard thing to, to overcome. And, but at the same time, you have to have that core fan base, that core group of people that are gonna support you when you release music, you know, they're mm. gonna go, you know, click like and subscribe because we both know how important that is in today's climate, or that's gonna come and see you at a show, you know? Mm. So that was the, one of the hardest things for me to really overcome because how important that is. But like I said, with things like digital distribution and me just really paying attention and, and being on my business, I was able to find out, you know, who those people were, market to them, and really cultivate a, a fan base that, you know, really supported Rec Riddles. Um, and that's what I, you know, I learned that you got to be about your business. You got to be on top of, you know, the things that matter. It's not all about, even though I love this to death, it's not all about, you know, being on that stage performing. It's not all about being on, you know, in the studio, you know, writing rhymes and making beats. You want to be able to, you know, get this music heard and get this in the, in the hands of the people. So that was the biggest lesson for me is, you know, I got to be equally dope in both areas. I got to mm. be a dope and producer, but I also have to be just as dope on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's an Angela Jim. Hey, you know, brother, you are absolutely right. You have to be dope on both sides. And I don't. I can't say I don't think a lot of people are. I don't know a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? I don't know every music person in the world, but I can tell you from my own experience, the people who are who are successful and depending on what that definition of success is for you mm. are the people who are on both sides, who do both sides. Right. right. They may not know every ounce about the music business, but they know enough. Right. Um, who did that have on the show? Nick. Nick Jorgensen, or AKA right. Nick the manager, but Nick Jorgensen, he said, uh, or maybe it was Angela, it was one of them too, right? Somebody said it's all I know, is that you right. have to uh, inspect what you expect. Probably Angela or Nick, it's one of them. But you gotta inspect what you expect. And so if you don't know enough about the music business side, how can you really know where you are in your career? If right. you don't understand, if you don't have goals, if you don't, have an overall uh, vision for where you're trying to go. If you're not looking at, you know, digital distribution data and trying to identify your, your audience and your, your market niche and things like that. So, so you have to do both sides. 
independents wear many, many hats. It's the days of the record label doing all those things for you. Gone. Gone. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> gone. Right? Uh, and Angela and I did have this conversation on the show, but those days are gone. Like you, you have to wear multiple hats. You have to be the CEO of your brand. You have to be your own marketer, your own publisher, your own, uh, you know, everything. Everything, you know what I'm yeah. Saying? Like you, like yeah. you got to be the person to create your own graphics if you need to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying right. so. I mean, it's funny yeah. you say that because yeah, I, I do every album cover. You know, every project I've put out, I've done the cover for it. You know, I've, I've mm -hmm. had to you know be in the house and press up my CDs or you know make the merch. You know, the T-shirts and things of that nature. So, like you said, we we wear many hats being independent. And at the same time, you know, being that I was signed to a label, you know, for about a year, um, I realized, and it was an independent label, you know, shout out to Royal Crowd Records, you know, much love to them. Um, but, you know, that showed me that even when you are signed to a label, you still have to be on top of your business. You still got to be able to know what you want, know how you want to present your art to the world and um, really just have, a you know, an iron will to where, you know, you you got to be on top of the things and, and know how you want to present yourself, you know, because like you said, we are, as being artists, we are a brand, you know, we are mm -hmm. a, a, a entity outside of just being artists. So, um, yes, yeah, this is definitely very, very important. You know, that's one thing that, you know, I've got to tip my hat off to, you know, the I standard crew, you know, Jay Hatch, hey. you know, Thoreau Collins, you know, premise the whole because they really showed me, even though, you know, I was going there to learn how to make better beats. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to, you know, go to the things like beat camps and, and learn so much about the actual music business, you know, the inner workings and how as a producer I can, you know, navigate that. But then I, you know, I had to flip that and say, all right, I'm an artist and a producer. How do I take this knowledge and these, these gems that are being dropped on me? And incorporate them but you know luckily you know those guys are very uh transparent they'll tell you exactly what you need to hear and help you you know navigate you know this treacherous water that is the music industry yeah you're right about that they will they yeah, yeah they did they definitely help you navigate and I, I i used to love going to the beat camps and to all the different uh, beat battles and things that they had you know I'm, I'm not right. saying that I, you know, I'm not saying that I took second place at one of them, but you know what I'm saying. Just, <laughs> you you know did, saying? Like, you did. I, I, I did. I took second place at one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, it was, you know, I do my thing on the, I do my thing on the pads. You know? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Shoot, wait, well, hold up. I wasn't the only one who won something though. Like I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. tons of people, tons of like. But yeah, I did. I won that one in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm well. Yes, sir. <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it was just one point between me and the other dude. One point. Yeah. Gave it to you, yeah. boy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that was so long ago, man. It, you know what's so right. crazy? It was so long ago. And the guy that actually won, you know, by one point, he, mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he doesn't do music anymore. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. He does not do wow. music anymore. I texted him one day. And because you know how it is, you know, when when you find people that are at, right. you know, beat battles and you're like, oh, you dope. Oh, you dope. Hey, we should join up. You know what yeah, I'm exactly. saying? Like, and so we had talked about it. But yeah, he doesn't do music anymore. He went to be uh, he, he went into business management and went into wow. corporate America. Yeah. 
I was wow. like, so technically I won. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because he doesn't do it no you more. You won the war. You won hey. the war. You might have won the battle, but you won the hey. war. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Man, I, so I'm gonna, I want to go back to something you said. I want to talk about uh, your experience with it and kind of give, you know, those who are watching, you know, just some additional, some of these, some of these right. gems right, on on the business side, right? So you talked about looking at digital distribution data and you know finding and determining what your overall uh, niche market is and really finding your audience. Like, how did you do that? Like, what did you use? How did you come across this information? And how did you use that information effectively to help grow your own music career? Well, you know, fortunate enough, you know, I had been, you know, searching for the digital distribution outlet, you know, for quite some time, you know, before so many, you know, started popping up. But, you know, once I got on the digital distribution thing and started seeing, you know, my Spotify streams and where they were coming from, um, that was really, I mean, you know, fortunately with Spotify, you know, for artists, the app, you know, if you don't have that app and you're an artist, you know, you have digital distribution, please get it because they break down how many streams you have where they're coming from as far as city, as far as state, as far as country. Um, they break it down to, you know, the age group, you know, between, you know, 18 to, to 65, I think is the oldest they have on Spotify artists. But that showed me, you know, who was listening to me more, how I was reaching them, you know, whether it was from organic, you know, they just so happened to stumble across my music or, they were going directly to my page and, you know, clicking play, or if it had come from any of the Spotify playlists, or, you know, release radar, any of those things. So once I, you know, I sat down, collected that data, you know, saw what, you know, where my strong points were, I was able to start using things like, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram mm. ads, you know, things of that nature and started targeting in my promotion on these specific social media websites, targeting that age group that was uh, that was listening the, the most, targeting that that city, that country, or that state, you know, that was listening the most, and then also throwing in when I made my uh, promos, music or artists that were similar to that I feel were similar to my sound, and see you know if my streams would grow if they would decline if i was getting any kind of uh traction to my page getting more likes getting more followers and then you know gathering all of that data it sounds like a lot but it's very important gathering all of that data and then i would effectively tour by using this data i would say okay they're listening to me a lot in chicago between you know 18 to 35 they, their biggest, you know, they're fans of Run the Jewels, Nas, and and Kendrick Lamar. Okay, now let's go there. Let's try reach out to some promoters, you know, you know, via social media or you know, via uh, email. Try to get us a show there, or reach out to some of my friends from Chicago. Try to get on a bill. Try to maybe build a show around me. Let's go to those markets, perform, mm -hmm. and then once I get to those markets and perform. I have a thing which I feel all artists should have if you're performing live, which is an email list at my mm -hmm. merch table. So when people come to the merch table, <laughs> people come to my right. merch table, I have them sign, you know, write their name down, put their email address, 
And also, what's another thing that's important about merch when you come to these cities, you know, people are easily, you know, information is coming at people 100 miles a minute. Mm -hmm. So you can easily be forgotten. So the the important thing about having merch for, you know, especially for me was, you know, number one, I'm traveling. So to have something to sell to put a little money in my pocket doesn't hurt. You know, a little gas money is, you know, goes a long way. But on top of that, these people are leaving the show with, you know, a CD. I had a T-shirt with my name or my face on it. So they become walking billboards. And then they also remember who you are. Oh, yeah, I got Mm -hmm. that T-shirt. That Rick Riddles guy. Oh, yeah, let me go look him up on Spotify. Let me look him up on Apple Music. And then I also have their, uh, their email list. So what I would do with this email list is, you know, anytime I had something new coming out, whether it be a music video, whether it be a new single, whether it be a, a new project, I would actively use email marketing to let these people know that this new material and this new project was coming out. And that's how I stayed in touch with them. And that's how I was able to cultivate that fan base of people that were constantly being in tune with what I had going on, you know, whether it was a show, CDs, you know, new music or whether it was a new video. And that's how I cultivated my fan base through all of those analytics and statistics. And I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I've been able to sustain, you know, being like mm-hmm. I am an independent DIY artist. I was able to cultivate that fan base. Yes, sir. Yeah, look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like if people don't know, I'm I wish I had one that did multiple gems. I may find one of those, but I'm telling you, <laughs> yes, yes. The strategy, my goodness, the strategy you just talked about is a strategy that many, many, many people should be doing. Like, Definitely. yes, like you got to know your analytics. You got to be able to go to, you know, this information and really look at it. You know, a lot of the, the, uh, the a lot of the DSPs give it to you. A lot of the, uh, I mean, you can find this data anywhere you know what i'm saying like like i use youtube right to do all my interview you know live stream all the interviews and stuff there's youtube data i can look at i can look at who's watching at what times they're watching how long they've watched the video i can determine okay i don't need to make really long videos because guess what the average person who's watching is only watching for you know four minutes and 18 seconds so i need to make four minutes and 18 seconds videos around there somewhere five minute videos so it helps you to really ascertain and really dig deep saying here's who i'm really really targeting and then like you said to use that information and then to book a tour oh my gosh bro that is so smart and so then use that information and book your tour around it why not Definitely. that's where they're listening to your music so time to go there right. all right and i love the email list you know how many artists do not have an email list I've seen ton. I've seen, and you know, <sighs> fortunate for me, I'm the kind of guy that I'll I'll give you free game. You know, so even though the game is to be sold and not to be told, but I'll give guys free game. <laughs> you know, especially mm-hmm. guys that um, you know, I see that have something. You know, I don't definitely don't claim to be you know a Russell Simmons or you know one of those guys that has a lot of knowledge, but I'm in it with you, and I've experienced a lot of things. So when I see guys that don't have certain things that I feel are really, really important that, and that could help them, you know, push them forward. I'll always try to drop those jewels on them. But I do see a lot of guys that shows, you know, that don't have an email list or don't have something to give to the crowd. You know, if people are, you know, attending this mm-hmm. show, you want to make sure that you're rememberable, you know, whether right. it's your stage show, because I've seen that happen too, you know, guys that just kill it on stage 
and then you know people remember them from that but like i say you know information is constantly it's fleeting and it's and it's you know it's constantly coming at people you know mm -hmm. all day every day so you got to be able to stick out into people's minds and that's really really important you know at this stage you know when you're an independent artist yeah because there's a lot of people that are out there that are jockeying for that space in that person's right. mind you know what i'm saying like this there's rappers everywhere. There's lyricists, not everywhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? And, and our minds are filled with so much on a day-to-day -day basis right. that you have to remember people sticking out, you know, and you got to do things to, to remind them. And that was, honestly, right. that was one of the reasons why I moved from St. Louis to Atlanta is because Ooh. I kept, I hated reminding people who I was when I, Will come to some of these events. Uh, they, they'll go, mm, you're, and back then, you know, I, you know, my name was Strict Nine back then. But it was like, you're, mm. right. I'm like, hey, how you doing, Strict Nine? Nice to meet you. Then I, oh right. yes, I remember. And I was like, you know what? I don't need you to try to figure it out anymore. I'm gonna be here in your face. So, I, so you know, I picked right. up a family and we, we moved to to Atlanta. But right. those moves are smart. You know, those moves are smart that you just talked about. And I wish everybody did it. I've been to tons of different. Uh, you know, artist showcases here in Atlanta. Guess how many email lists I've actually been on? Uh, I'll throw out a ballpark. Yeah. Five. None. Uh, no, let me take that back. Let me take it back. Let me take it back. Two. Two. Wow. Two. That's surprising. Two. That's really, really Two. surprising. <laughs> Two. And I went, I went to a showcase here in Atlanta, and there were, had to be like 10 artists that performed that night. Right. Had to be. Guess how many had an email list? None. Guess how many of them wow. had a videographer in the audience or a photographer in the audience taking pictures so that they could use those images on their website for promotional, you know, promotional flyers and, and graphics. Right. Guess how many had? One. Wow. And her man, it was her manager that was out there doing it. He had his tripod. He set everything up, had his lights and everything. He was ready. And of course, I was there because right. I was taking pictures too, you know, but gotcha. <laughs> I mean, people don't think about, they just think about, okay, I'm an artist. I need to get out. I need to rap. I need to sing. And that's it. And there's so much more to it. So much right. more that people are missing out. I wish they would just grab on. But yeah, right. I'm glad you're giving, I'm glad you're giving free game because, because people need it. People need it. Man, Definitely. so I'm, I'm going to switch gears here for just, for just a moment. So you dropped 20 projects. Yes, sir. Yeah, like, yes, sir. like I know artists. Who, I know artists who, who barely drop one project. You know what I'm saying? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you dropped this your first project in 2016. Yep. And yeah. it's it's 2021 now, and you've done yeah. 20 projects, man. So kind of talk about that. Talk about what was your motivation behind doing that? How did it go? You know, what were some of the struggles and, and ups and downs that you experienced with releasing 20 projects from 2016 to 2021? Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of artist that's really self-contained. You know, Prince is one of my most favorite, you know, artists, you know, let alone from just the, you know, the musical output that he had. You know, I think his discography is at like 59 or something like that. But... I'm being that I'm I'm in a room by myself, you know, constantly creating music, constantly, you know, writing rhymes and recording. 
um, I got tired of holding on to things. You know, I had a conversation with one of my big homies, Night Owl, you know, shout out to him, St. Louis legend. And I was telling him that I had all this music, you know, in the vault and stashed away. And he was like, you know, for what? And I was like, he's like, let it go. Let people hear it. It's only for your ears if it's on your hard drive. Put it out. He's like, if you're constantly recording good music, and he was like, I know you are, put it out. And I'm I'm the type of guy that I don't want to, because there are so many artists, mm-hmm. a big inspiration behind creating, you know, as much as I do, was that, unfortunately, if I drop the project tomorrow, within four weeks, to some people, it'll be old. Mm. And... You know, we're from the era where, you know, you would get an album from an artist and then two years later you would get, you know, new material. But mm-hmm. because, you know, everything's so saturated, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle and people be like, well, I ain't heard nothing from Rec Riddles in a while. And I don't like that. I want I want to stay with fresh right. new material in people's face, you know, constantly giving them something new. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a workhorse, you know. I love being in the studio. I love creating new music. Um it's just, it's something that I just got to get out of me, kind of, you know, it's like mm. my therapy almost to a point. But, you know, the decision to, to release that much music was, you know, definitely based on the point of I record that much. And because of today's climate, you know, it's easy to get lost. And I always want to keep new material, fresh new material, you know, for my listeners, my audience, and, you know, the people that don't know that might get, you know, get to hear me for the first time on one of these new projects that, that I release. But um, it's definitely not easy because I am so self-contained to where, like I said earlier, I do all the graphics. Um, I, you know, I direct a lot of my videos, you know, along with my, you know, my videographer, you know, he's been holding me down for a very long time. Lamar Wallace, shout out to him. But, um, you know, I mix and master. I make all the, you know, all the beats. You know, most of the time I'm playing all the instruments on mm. these beats, you know, I incorporate a lot of live instruments to that, but then I'm also recording the vocals and, you know, I'm, I'm mixing, mastering and getting it ready for release. So, I mean, that that's probably the toughest part of, about it is that, you know, I wear so many hats when it comes to the actual studio aspect, mm-hmm. but um, I'm such a control freak with my music that I really want to go <laughs> the other way, you know, you know right. I look at my... I look at each song like, you know, that's a child of mine. And I want to mm-hmm. make sure that child is nurtured and, you know, is brought up in the right way. And, and in my eyes, that's me putting my hands on the buttons and mixing and mastering it and make sure it sounds the way I want it to sound. So mm. it's definitely hard work, um, but I love it. You know, that my output, if it doesn't increase, it'll probably stay the same, you know, with, with the next, mm. within, within 2021. And, you know, probably 2022. I mean, I got a lot of projects, you know, coming up on the way. I got one with my brother, uh, Gunsmoke Jones. We're, we're called The Mercenaries. Well, we got an album coming out called Thou Shall Not Kill. That'll be coming out, you know, if not late spring, early summer. Okay. Um, and, you know, I just you know, I just dropped my uh, my first project of the year in January, uh, The Basement Tapes 2, which is a mm-hmm. complete instrumental album. But it's just, you know, constant music, constant, you know, uh, uh, product for people to consume and enjoy. That's just kind of been my ideology, you know, since I've started to do it. So it's definitely going to stay that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you're you're, you're a workhorse, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's what that's what people would expect of you. 
of people who know your music and the caliber of music that you put out. They would expect, right. you know, projects after project after project, you know, right. but some people would say, mm, you know, what? that's too much music. Like you yeah. trying to, you trying to bombard me with a whole lot of music, you know? And I kind of feel maybe how you feel. It's like, well, why not? You know what yeah. I mean? Like here's, here's some more music because you are right. right. I mean, back, back then, you know, you would get paid in full from Eric B and Rakim. You know right. what I'm saying? And and then two years, two and a half years later, you'll get like mahogany. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, yo, where it's like where you been? Right. Like, I, need, like, <laughs> right. I needed more music from you. And you right. know what I mean? And, and I gotta go listen to Paid in Full for a gazillion times because he has no more no no more new music. Or I gotta go listen to, you know, whoever. But I think today, and to me, that's like the Russ approach. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like Russ released 50, 52 songs, which is so so crazy. A song a week. Right. A you know what I'm week. saying? Like a song a week, mix and mastered, yeah. really out the door, right? But right. it's beautiful. It's beautiful that that your process is self-contained because you you have you have a systematic process down, right? You have your systems in place that allow right. you to pump out music the way that you're doing it. You don't have to wait for this engineer who may be working on other projects to get to your project or this mastering engineer or this graphic design person. You can do all the things that on your own and kind of set your own schedule, which allows right. you to pump out music consistently, right? Exactly. And so you have the freedom and the flexibility to, to do that and to, to kind of be your owner of all of Plus, you own your own masters anyway, right? But right. that's kind <laughs> of how that's kind of how it yeah. started. You know, I got tired of waiting on people. <laughs> you know, when and when you're in a position to where you know you're outsourcing a lot of things, you know, to contribute to your your product and and what you're presenting to the world, you're kind of at some of these people's mercy as far as time constraints. You know, yes, sir. Um, Unfortunately, you know, everybody has, you know, their own agendas, their own things that they're trying to get done that may affect, you know, your uh, your schedule or how you see things coming out or how you even may want to put things out. Mm-hmm. But I was yeah, I was tired of waiting on, you know, the graphic the design dude to give me back my my uh, my proofs so I could just say, right. OK, fix this, fix that. And then, you know, it's still right. not done. You know, or, you know, I was got tired of waiting on, you know, the, the guys to sing the beats or, you know, the guys to mm-hmm. come feet, come hop on the, this song, you know, do a feature verse for me. It's like, all right, well, if you're going to take this time and you're going to take time away from, you know, how I want my things to, to go, I'm just going to do it myself. And mm. honestly, I um, I enjoy it, you know, even though it's, you know, it's a lot of work, I, you know, sometimes mm. I feel like. By the time I accomplished one thing, I could have did 50 other things, unfortunately. But when I do it myself, I know it's going to get done to my liking, my taste, and it's going to be done in a time, you know, timely manner, and it's going to be how I want it. How you so want it. Exact, exactly what you touched on is why I started doing a lot of things myself. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I enjoy doing it myself, you know, because I, it opened my, uh, my, my creative, you know, mind to different things. You know, I never mm-hmm. really thought about doing graphics. I never really thought about shooting videos. You know, I, I always thought I was going to, you know, put that in someone else's hands. But mm-hmm. you know, having that, you know, 
having that time to learn those things, it opened up so many ideas for me creatively and opened up a new creative space for me that I, you know, never really tapped into before, which is music. So, you know, I love it. I love the fact that I mm-hmm. get a chance to do all these different things and it's all, you know, towards the same goal, you know, even though I'm, right. I'm doing artwork, it's for music. So it's a beautiful right. thing. It's a beautiful thing. I, like, I feel you because I got to do all my own graphics and video editing and coloring and, you know, all that stuff. I got to do it all. I got to go. I got to do it all myself. Right. I don't right, this is me. Right. I'm one man, one man crew. But a lot of independent artists kind of find themselves in that same situation. And a lot of creatives need to learn how to operate on that other side. You can't just be creative all day. You got to learn right. how to do some of those other things in order for you to push your career ahead. It's, it may not be music, but right. it's something that's helping you to further your music career along. Yes, brother. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> there go that gems. Gems. That's right. That's, that's, that's what we give, gems. Right? Definitely. That's right. Man, so during this whole conversation, all right, now I know where it comes from, but I don't know if a lot of other people know where it comes from. How did you get your name? Where did Wreck Riddles come from? Wow. Explain that. Yeah. So that. <laughs> That name is derived from the DC Comics villain from Batman, the Riddler. And that's my favorite villain, you know, of of all time, you know, whether it's Marvel, Image, DC. I love the Riddler because he tried to beat Batman with wits and and intellect. It always, you know, uh, uh, it it fascinated me, you know, especially back when, you know, I would be at my grandma's house and we'd be watching the old Adam West Batman and, you know, the riddles were always, oh, being, you know, incredible, <laughs> you know, it's like, how did these guys think of that? <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, I was like, that's how I am with the, with the pen. That's how I am with the, with the mic. You know, I, my metaphors, my punchlines, the riddles. And I, I kind of added the wreck part kind of by default. You know, my brother was like, yo, riddles is cool, but you kind of need a first name to go along with mm-hmm. that. You know, so we kind of, you know, we're thinking of different things and Wreck just kind of stuck and mm. it, it really fit because, you know, one day, you know, I was looking at, you know, the, the Pro Tools and when you, the abbreviation for record on Pro Tools mm-hmm. is REC, you know, Wreck. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. And then I'm also a big, you know, record collector. So, mm. you know, record, record, Wreck. It kind of all just fell in line. And I wrecked the mic when I rhymed. See, so it just, Dude, that's what I was waiting it, for. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> you know, it, it just made for a perfect marriage, you know, and it sounds great. You know, Wreck Riddle yeah. kind of has that fluidity off the tongue. So that's how the name mm. came about. Yeah, Definitely. it's your man. Welcome to the stage, your man, Wreck Riddles. Like, oh, he's going to give you something. He's going to give you something. Yes, sir, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always just thought it was just, just interesting how you came up with your name or how people come up with their monikers for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Like, yeah, I always think it's very interesting because there's there's a depth of meaning that it has for you and that you can express through your music to to other people, right? right. So that's kind of like, right. I, I mean, I know I'm not being interviewed, you know what I'm saying? But that's kind of how <laughs> I came up, with, came up with the name Strict Nine when I used to go Strict by that. Strict Nine. Yeah, it's because, so, so my kids were homeschooled and they were watching some science show on the world's most dangerous uh, chemicals or plants or whatever it was, right? Substances. 
And I just happened to walk into the room when they were talking about Strict Nine. <laughs> and it just, it struck you. It, 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 it stuck. <laughs> and, and so I was sitting there like, what Strict Nine? Like, this is, and I was looking for a new name. And I was mm. like, Strict Nine, but it was so crazy. Right. And I think you heard me tell this story at the, at the beat battle. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> it, was just, it was just weird about what the, what the poison does to the body. And I was like, yo, right. wait a minute. That's like when a person is kind of like in that dance. Like, and it, yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know what? That's Strict it. Nine. That's it. Strict nine. Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna kill you. Like I'm gonna kill you with the beats. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah. But I think it's interesting how people come up with their their monikers for themselves because it does have meaning and purpose for who right. they are as as an artist. Because, yeah, I mean, you do wreck people with with your rhymes, but in your rhymes, there's riddles. People got to sometimes decipher what you're talking about just to really get right. it. They got to be like, and that's how I used to feel about like Method Man and Red Man and you know Rakim and all my favorite right. artists back in the day, which you know consequently. You actually opened up for, I mean, so talk about that, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, because that's like my favorite duo, Method Man and Red Man, you know what I'm saying? So you opened up, from what I understand, you opened up for Method Man, Red Man, The Locks, uh, Joe Budden, Uh, man, you can give us the rest, brother, but how did that even come about? And and just kind of talk about that experience. Well, I mean, it kind of came about with me, you know, just putting in the work around the St. Louis scene and... I mean, it was to a point where I was doing like, you know, three or four shows a week, you know, constantly every week, just trying to get my name out there and perfecting my uh, my live show. So um, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to to build a relationship up with uh, the guys over at Pops Concert Venue, where, you know, that was taking place at the Method Man and Red Man show was. But because um, that was actually, no, that was, I'm sorry. That was the second time I opened up for an artist. But um, with the Method Man and Red Man show, um, I was fortunate enough to build a relationship with the guys at Pops, you know, Justin um, from Pops, who was at the time, I don't still think he's there, but he was the, the talent buyer. And um, they threw a show. They, you know, it was called The Battle for Method Man and Red Man. I think it was about, you know, 10 artists that, that got selected to perform on the, and see who was going to make the bill. Mm-hmm. So um, I performed. You know, gave gave my best, you know, my best shot at it. You know, shout out to my boy Riley B. He ended up taking first hey, place. Riley and B. And I ended up taking second place. And I believe Shadow B from from uh, East St. Louis took third place. So at the time, you know, the only person that was gonna open was Riley B. So um, this is a funny story, but I'm on the phone with Rob Boo because you know, Amp St. Louis was a part of that that show as mm-hmm. well, bringing that show to to pops. And I'm on the phone with Rob Boo, and he's like, hey, man, did you buy your, your ticket for Method Man and Red Man yet? I was like, nah, I didn't buy it yet. He was like, good, don't buy them, because you want the show. What? <laughs> like, just like that, told me that I was going to be on the show. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, I believe originally Method Red was supposed to bring some opening acts with them, but, you know, that didn't end up happening which opened up those two slots for mm. you know, my, uh, Shadow B and myself. But, um, I mean, that was like the biggest crowd that I've ever performed in front of, I think still to this day. Um, I mean, you were looking at 2,000 plus people and mm. it, it was nerve wracking for me at first, you know, mm. you walk on that stage. You know, I'm used to more intimate venues at this time. You know, I'm, I'm used to right. maybe, you know, anywhere between 50 to, to 200, 300 people. But um, 
it gave me a rush, you know, when I walked on that stage and said, you know, I always start off my shows with this, you know, and that's if you love hip hop, make some noise. And I always get, you know, get the crowd involved. But um, the sound man, the light guy just so happened when I said, if you love hip hop, make some noise and the crowd roared. He flashed the house lights onto the crowd. And that's when I really was able to see the sea of people. Yeah, and I was like, wow. oh, I kind of got stage fright <laughs> for a moment. I was like, mm. that's a lot of people out there. But then I, you know, I threw on my, my game face and, you know, I, I went out there and, and killed the stage. And for me, you know, that was like, you know, a dream come true because Wu-Tang Clan is my favorite rap group of all time. You know, Method Man is one of my favorite, you know, MCs of all time. Hey, and, me you too. Know, same thing with Redman, you know, being that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm from North New Jersey and, you know, Redman is also from North New Jersey. You know, to open up for those two guys, you know, was was and then also, you know, get get a chance to to interact with them as well. You know, even mm. later on down the road, you know, and I, I was able to build a relationship with Wu-Tang. Um, yeah, that show was incredible, man. I, I mean, I, mm -hmm. you, you've named a, a bunch of guys, but, you know, I've opened up for, you know, Method Man, Red Man, Crazy Bone. Uh, Ninth Prince, you no know, Killer Army, Wu Tang affiliate. Mm -hmm. um, I opened up for Cool Keith, um, R Raider, Rugged Man, Jaron Benton, uh, Joyner Lucas. It's a long yeah, list. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> but doing those kind of shows for me um, was always great because you know I love the smaller, intimate performances. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm, I connect with you know the crowd. I'm able to get closer to you i can touch you but at the same time performing in front of that many people and having that many people you know enjoying what you're doing on stage and you know coming up to you after the show is done after you get off stage it's really no feeling like that with that many people yeah. you know it's it's incredible i mean it's it can be nerve-wracking because you're like there were so many people here i can't really look in their faces to really see if they're mm -hmm. enjoying it or not so you kind of got to gauge your performance by just noise, but I love it. You know, having an opportunity yeah. to open up for those guys and, you know, and in, and in a nutshell too, that exposes you to a bigger crowd because there's more people there. And, you know, you never know who might get a chance to hear you. You know, somebody's tour manager right. might, you know, take a liking to you, the DJ, you know, whoever, and you're able to make some industry connects in that kind of a situation too. So That's right. it's, get it's a great experience. Look, and you got the email list. <laughs> and, and exactly. And you got that. So that's another thing. You know, you got that many people there who you could have go through, you know, two, three sheets of paper yep. with your email list. That's right. You hey, know, that great opportunity. Great opportunity. Yes, great so, opportunity. I mean, I, I was I love touring um, and, and I was able to, to uh, tour with Tripe Diesel. Who's uh, mm -hmm. that's like my big brother now, you know, that's a you know, Ghostface affiliate, Prodigy, Wu Tang affiliate. And we did a whole Midwest tour um back in two thousand eighteen. And nope. you know, that was really the spark of my whole uh, affiliation with Wu Tang. But yeah, just opening and, and being able to learn from those guys, watching those guys mm. on stage, you know, after I just got done performing. Like if right. you ever get a chance to see Method Man and Red Man live, you're going to a show. You know, it's nothing like a good hip hop show where there's energy, there's crowd participation. Mm -hmm. They're they're you know busting their ass on the stage, and it's all for your enjoyment. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love those kind of shows when they, I get a chance to just sit back and watch some of my idols, and I get the chance to study and, and you know ha- kind of take yeah. mental notes to where all right, I like how he did that. I'm gonna incorporate that to my set. You know, next time mm. I get on stage, you yeah, know? see, so learning opportunities too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's dope. That's, that's dope. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I saw Meth and Red Man in concert, but you know, it was it was like fresh Meth, fresh Red Man in concert. You know what I'm saying? Like. Red yeah, man riding his bike, you know, riding his, his bike through the, <laughs> through the kill center. And we're like, hey, 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 you can't ride your bike uh, Red, through, the, through the thing. Red man's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but man, still to this day, Method Man and Red Man are still my, my favorite. Blackout is still, yeah, still, it's still the dopest. Today, the, I, I'll put any song that's, that we came out, we, like I made it, they came out with back then. <laughs> Against songs today, oh man, songs still go. Right, still go. Definitely, man. Definitely. Yep, yep, man. So we've been talking for for a while, my brother. It's great once again to see you. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like like face to face, you know, versus just pictures on Instagram and stuff like that. But man, right, right. <laughs> what advice would you give to anybody that's trying to get into this music industry? What would you tell them? That's that's a lot of things I I would want to say, but I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, stick to your guns, you know. If there's some things that you feel like you shouldn't do, you know, that people are trying to convince you to do, and you feel like it's not for you, it doesn't fit your situation, don't do it. Um, I mean, that's like one of the biggest things I feel. You know, a lot of people get lost in the industry because they they're pleasing too many people and not trying to really please themselves. So just stick to your guns, do what you feel you should do. Um, and just have a will of iron, you know, um, cause this industry is not for weak hearted people. You know, it's not, you, you're going to get knocked down on your ass a bunch of times, but you got to just keep getting back up. You know, I feel like you really got to love it. So if you love music, you love creating, you love being an artist, Keep going, don't give up. I mean, I've retired about 50 times by now um, because, you know, this game will knock you down, but keep going. Um, another thing I would I would advise is uh, surround yourself with good people, you know, people that have your best interests at heart, people that want to see you win, you know, and not just doing it so they can go along for the ride, you know. Uh, try to, you know, weave out the, the people that aren't there for you and, and just want to, you know, be leeches and latch on to you. But um, know your business, you know, as read as much about as you can about the music business, about your music business, and just study the game. Study what's going on as far as the technology of music. Study what's going on as far as how music's being promoted and how people are consuming music. I mean, that's like with the way, the way that the game is going now, the way that the culture is going now with music, uh, people aren't buying records. It's all through streaming. So try to, you know, stay on those streaming platforms and stay in people's face as much as you can. You know, learn how to get on those Spotify playlists and and try to get it on those. Uh, try to get those those. You know, because that's how things are going. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just you know. Always have something to to give back, you know. It's, it's each one teach one. I mean, it's a melting pot, you know. Everybody has something to add to to this music, so you know, just try to try to give back to the people that are in your community that are doing music, the younger artists, you know, the underground scene in your city, 
and cultivate that, you know, build it up as much as you can. Because a lot of the times when, you know, people hit the scene and they're the breakout stars, there's a whole laundry list of people in their neighborhood and their city that's ready to go. So, yeah, just build up the scene in your city, support it, you know, and give as much back as you can. And I think it'll be if, if you follow those things, I think you should be successful, you know, or, mm. or gauge your success how you want to, because everybody's idea of success is different. But pretty much those things are, are, I think, are standard, you know, and are things that I've applied to my career that have worked out for me, you know, for the better. So that would definitely be the, the, the top things I would tell somebody that's trying to, to pursue this as a career. Definitely. That's what's up. Hey, <laughs> go that gym again. <laughs> gyms. Like, gyms. I'm not going to add anything else to, to what he said because, I mean, that's tremendous advice for anybody that wants to get into this music industry. Man, so where can people find you and your music? So, you know, across social media, you know, it was rec, R-E-C underscore riddles, R-I-D-D-L-E-S. Um, you can find all my music on all your DSPs. You know, that goes for Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play. Well, there is no more Google Play, just YouTube Music, um, right. <laughs> Amazon Music. But, um, yeah, no, go over to recwordlesmusic.bandcamp.com. All my music is there. All my merch is there. And, you know, you can support me directly, you know, if you go to my band camp. But, um, yeah, I'm social media, rec underscore riddles. And, you know, I, mean, I hate to say this because it's cliche, but you can Google me, you know, riddles. <laughs> 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 you can find everything there, man. But definitely recriddlesmusic.bandcamp.com. Definitely. Yeah, brother. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Make sure you check him out. Bro. Oh, my gosh. Y'all don't even know. Matter of fact, I, I wish this was like I wish I was like Sway like right now. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I would ask you I would ask you to spit like a quick something for the people just so they know the power of lyricism. You know what I'm saying? But I don't have any music that I can just throw up here. Right, right, right. And kind of, and kind of how you do. I mean, unless you want to freestyle it, you know what I'm saying? Without no music. You know <laughs> but... <laughs> But but man, like like now nah, that's up to you though. Like like I'll stop I'll stop it if you want to do that. <laughs> you got me in the hot seat now. <laughs> I got you in the hot seat. Like oh like oh shoot I gotta I gotta do some stuff. Like wait wait. Yo, I, look I know how I know. Look 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 I know how I feel when people ask me to sing and I'm like like right now you want me to go right like, now right, like today like today I don't know about that. But man like like y'all make sure y'all go check out check out Rec Riddles. Killer lyricists, y'all. I'm telling you, killer lyricists. I had it, like I said, I had a chance Thank to see him perform at Cicero's, rest in peace. And oh yeah, man. I know, right? <laughs> like and he killed it. Missed that it. place. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I know. Thank you. I, I had a chance to see him and uh, and accurate the wise. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, they shout out to my bro Act, man. They they murdered it. Which which I still need to get him <laughs> on the show. He need to be on this. He probably watching. Yeah, yeah probably right. Watching. He probably is watching. Yeah, you need to be on here, right? Uh, uh, accurate. Yeah, and I, I talked to him a couple of times already, but but man, brother, it's great to see you. It's great to chop it up with you. It's great to learn me learn a little bit more, but for them to learn a whole lot more about you and right. who you are as a as an MC, uh, as a lyricist, and as a as a producer. You dropped some amazing things today, man. I appreciate you being on the show and kind of just sharing Thank your you, time man. with us. Appreciate man, so, you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So stick around for a moment and I'm going to close this up.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, man, I hope y'all enjoy that. You know, there were lots of these, you know what I'm saying? Lots of those gems. And I uh, greatly appreciate all of you tuning in. And as, as always, you can check us out every Monday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check out all of the different things that we do uh, here at We Create Music TV. It's just, it's just a joy and a pleasure just to have all of you tuning in and watching what we do and really learning from the things that we present uh, here as, as an organization. Uh, you know, you can check out all of, all, all of our master classes that we offer. Uh, branding in the net, uh, branding in the branding in the network, right? But branding in the uh, music industry, networking in the music industry. You can catch all of our content on our website and on our YouTube channel, where we stream all of our live uh, interview segments. But enough of that. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit that like button, and make sure you subscribe to help us make this content more available to others who may be tuning in and looking for this type of uh, type of information as well. But once again, peace out to all of you.